So last week, the topic was Jesus, our healer. And the week before, it was Jesus, our savior. And I had this thing that I wanted to share, and um, I didn't get to, but it wasn't the right moment. But I want to share it this morning. I was sitting with Shayla and Alex and the family, and we were talking about Mason and how they chose her name. And it was the first name that came out that they agreed upon, and it was this, this is it. Have you ever been in that moment where it was like, this is it, this is the one, this is, this is it. And they were talking about how they named her, and I thought how we go about our lives and we, we name our children and we do the best we can and, and we, uh, we name them and oftentimes they live out their life in representation of the name that we give them even if we didn't think about it. And I began to think about the Lord and the Lord only gives a name that matches the nature of the being. And when a nature changes, he changes the name. Abram becomes Abraham. Saul becomes Paul. And how we do the best we can, but he has a different perspective on the nature of a being. And he only names a being to the nature that it provides. And I was sitting in the hospital and I went out to my car and on the front of my journal it has all the names of God and how he only calls himself what his nature is. So he's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And you can go down through all of them and, and I was like, Lord, okay, so... I know that the word that came forth was for that moment, but why are you, why are you revealing your nature in the names, and what does that mean? If you turn with me to Genesis 1, I don't believe that we can know the counsel of the Lord without understanding why he calls himself what he calls himself. We have the four square gospel. Thank you to Sister Amy and, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit in that moment that said that he's our savior, he's our healer, he's our baptizer in the Holy Spirit and our soon coming king. And that is his nature. That's his nature. And there's a point in our lives when we have to make a choice about whether we receive his nature or whether we don't. There comes a point in our life when we receive him as savior or we don't. There's a point in our life or maybe many points in our life when we receive him as healer or we don't. There's a point in our life or maybe points in our life where we receive him as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit or we don't. And there's a point where we receive him as our soon coming king or we don't. 
He's a gentleman. He's not going to force it on you. But I want you to be so in love with him. We were in the prayer room this morning. I was just on my face. I've been crying out to the Lord that you would see him. That you would see him this morning. That you would fall in love with him anew. That you would be so passionately in love with the creator of the world that nothing would sway your, your sight. That you couldn't look away from the one. We have this culture in America where we can literally have anything we want. We can have anything we want. I mean, you may be limited by your checking account today, but if you really go work hard enough, you can get whatever you want. My concern is is that when we get what we want, we take our eyes off the one. And we make something Lord that should never be Lord because we don't know his nature. You see, we've been told for decades and maybe for many decades for some of you, maybe for a short amount of time for some of you, but we've been taught in this culture that, that the Lord is the Lord when we need him. The Lord is the Lord when you're in trouble, when you're sitting in a, in a hospital room on the floor with nothing else to give. You are totally spent. Everything is on the floor. He's your Lord in that moment. We're taught that. Yeah, he is. The problem is, that sometimes he's the Lord in that moment and then when we walk out of that moment and life becomes normal again, we don't need a Lord because we have other Lords that take his spot and so then we miss the character and nature of the Lord because we've made other things Lord. And when he comes back, he's coming back for a bride that views him for his nature and who he is and is in love with him for who he is, not just for what he does. I want to read this. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. He was before the beginning. He was in the beginning. He is now and he forever will be God. Created the heavens and the earth. Now, interestingly enough, he describes himself in the first few words of this book that we call the Constitution for our life, the the guidebook for our life. He gives an explanation of who he is in the first line of the Bible, and we probably missed it. The word God there is Elohim, which means the expressed nature of everything that is, but the plurality of God himself in three people. It's not, it's not just the Father in this picture, it's the Son in this picture, and it's the Holy Spirit in this picture, and by saying, in the beginning, Elohim, he's saying, in the beginning, all of us came together to do this work. And I, I'm here to tell you this morning that, that never anything was, nothing was ever done in the universe that wasn't done with all three of them present. And we know that because he says in the beginning, all of us were present. 
When you met the Lord for the first time, you could not have known his love without the Holy Spirit. You maybe saw Jesus in this amazing way, but you couldn't have loved him without the Holy Spirit. If you saw Jesus in that loving way, then you understood the Father because he says, I'm an express image of the Father. So they were all present in that moment. Why is it sometimes that we forget that they were all present and they're always all present? And we just look to Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, the healer, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and the soon coming king, why do we look at him just for one piece of his nature when all of him and all of them are together in one place? You see, he says, we are one. The only way that you can be one is to have more than one part that comes together to make a whole. If you've ever played sports and you've been in a locker room, the coach is like, I need you to play as a team. I need you to play as one team. Why? Because there's lots of different gifts and to play together. And my concern is in this hour that we've forgotten that he is all powerful. He is everything that we could ever think, but they're all together in one. And if we miss that, we miss the counsel of his wisdom and grace in the darkest situations and in the brightest situations. He goes on to say, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, okay, here we go. He starts to differentiate himself. And the Spirit of Elohim, so that means the part that is the Spirit of God, the three in one, is now on the scene. And he's taking action. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God began to speak. The Spirit was hovering, and God, Elohim, spoke. They spoke, and things began to happen. You see, his nature is, should be more real to us than his name. His nature should be more real to us than his name. You see, we declare his name, Jesus, the name above every name. Do you know how he got that name? The only way that Jesus received the name that is above every name is because he paid the ultimate price on the cross. And when he was obedient unto death, God said, now you have the name that is above every name. And we declare the name above every name. We declare it over our dog when he's sick. We declare it over everything. But we're declaring the name, but I think we forget the nature. Second Corinthians 4, 6 says this, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The foundation of this series is not really about the names that Sister Amy called God that she found in scripture, that she, she, no, 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 no. The foundation for this season is the nature of the one in which we call Jesus Christ. It's his nature. 
He has the name above every name, and we can declare it, but oftentimes I believe we declare a name that we don't know the nature that it's defining. Turn with me to Luke 3. And I'm going to read out of Matthew 3, and then I'm going to go to Luke 3. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The scripture says he's an all-consuming fire. It's a part of his nature. Luke 3.16 says this. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. If you're going to be able to live free from sin in this dark hour and in the dark hours to come, we must know the power that comes through the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ. The entire Trinity was present at creation. And they are involved together in everything that he does every time. The express image of the Father in Jesus Christ is involved in everything all the time. Nothing happens, I want you to get this this morning, nothing happens in the universe, in the whole universe, without the three of them working together. If that's the case, then why do some in the body of Christ only latch on to one of the characteristics and natures of God? You see, some latch on to the Savior. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that we have a stop sign about. Come on. I'm telling you. We've limited the nature of God because we put stop signs up to part of his nature. We've limited what he can do in our lives because we've put stop signs up. Well, you know that baptism of the Holy Spirit thing, you know, that they sound really weird. You know, I'm not going to that church anymore. They pray too much in the Holy Spirit. Well, you know what? I don't know how you can survive in this hour without praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't know how you can go through a day without praying in the Holy Ghost. Am I against people? No, I'm not. But what I'm telling you is, is that there's a nature that the Father wants to show us, his whole counsel, that we miss because we've built a wall around our lives to remain in control. 
I'll let that sink in. We've built walls about our life in religious attitudes to remain in control so that we can dictate what we want him to do in our lives. And I believe that because we've built a wall and we say, Lord, I want you to be my savior, but you know what? When it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to yield to that right now because I want to be in control. And guess what we miss? We stand around and we try to lead people to Jesus, but no one comes and we wonder why. Because the only way that we're drawn to the Father is through the Holy Spirit. And so we have people out pounding pavement. And hear my heart, I'm not against any of this. I'm just wanting a fuller understanding of the nature of the Lord. We have so many people out pounding the pavement and wanting to get people to say a stinking prayer. Yet they miss the nature of the Son. They miss the nature of the Holy Spirit. They miss the nature of the Father because they're there to say something and check off a card and stand in the front of a service and throw cards in the air that all these people came to know Jesus. Or did they come to know a church? Or did they come to know a religious experience? If we truly want to lead people to Jesus and they, that they would have a relationship with him. It's not about the numbers. It's not about declaring a name. It's about a relationship with a person. And the only way to access it is because the Holy Spirit shows us the son. But if we say, you know what, that Holy Spirit thing, that's too much for me. And I know many people have great biblical w ways to get around all that. But if we take the Holy Spirit out and the baptism of the Holy Spirit out of his nature, what else are you gonna take? Are you gonna take his saving nature and pursuance of your soul? Are you gonna take that too? He is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and it comes with power and when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will then see that power released for what, your own gain? No. The power that's released through you, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, will draw men unto him. Draw men unto him. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit that we read about there in Genesis 1, the Ruach of God, the breath of God. Interesting that he's the breath of God. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I breathe, it comes out of my face. Not my arm. Not any other place on me. It comes out of my face. So when God breathes, it comes out of his face. And I want to take you to a scripture that I've already read to you, but maybe you missed it. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit flows from the mouth of Jesus. I've heard many people standing in the gap, praying 
diligently seeking the glory of the Lord to fall and be in this house and in other houses. And I wanted to put a framework around that for you this morning because I believe in it too. I'm praying for it too. But the glory of God is not a feeling. The glory of God is not a wonder. The glory of God is the presence of a person in our midst. It's the presence of a person in the midst of this meeting. Moses said this, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. And God said this back, I will pass in front of you. It wasn't about a feeling. It wasn't about a wonder. It was about a person. And when we don't know the nature of God, we don't see him as a person. He's this ethereal thing that floats in on Sunday and floats out and we meet him throughout the week. The glory of God in which our hearts and our spirits are crying out for is a person. Turn with me to Hebrews. First chapter one, verse three. I'll start in one. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Jesus was there. John 1 tells us he was there in the beginning was the word who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he by himself has purged our sins sat down at the right hand of majesty on high Jesus Christ is the perfect image of the father perfect image of the Father. When you declare the name of Jesus, you're invoking the perfect image of the Father that loves you more than anything or anyone ever could. Philippians 2 says that his name is above every name. And he earned it. He suffered on the cross. He took on humility and God said, now you have gone so low that I will raise your name up above every other name. You see, I believe that sometimes we want to go in high and we want to declare our righteousness in a situation. When the one who gets the name above every name only got it because he went low. And that's our call, to go low. 
Jesus only did what he saw the Father do and only said what he heard the Father say. And I believe that his heart from the very beginning was, Father, you say it and I'll execute it. Father, you say it and I'll execute it. Father, you say it and I'll execute it. That is truly a life of death. And I don't mean the death of the cross, I mean death to will, death to our own desire. Father, you say it, I'll execute it. Father, you say it, I'll execute it. Do you realize that the nature of the son is to be obedient to the father? And the nature of the spirit is to point to the obedient one. But Jesus waited around 30 years before he started ministry and I'm sure that we, we know when he was 12, he was in the temple saying, hey guys, I'm staying here because I gotta do my father's business, right? But he didn't really start ministry until he was 30. And if I remember correctly, he was being baptized and the spirit in the image of a dove, not that it was a dove, but that in the image of a dove came upon him. And he was empowered to do everything the father said every single time without mistake without any wavering and we as believers in 2022 believe that we're going to change our society without the baptism of the holy spirit you see the word baptized freaks people out but the word is so simple it just means to immerse to cover over that's it And so many people hear baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you guys are the tongue talkers. You guys are the weird ones. No, listen. It means that the Holy Spirit will cover us and clothe us in power. And I don't know any other way than to understand the nature of a father to clothe a son and a daughter. Fully equipping you to do the work that he's called you to do. He did not go out and do the work without being covered over by the Spirit. He would not have been successful, I don't believe, until he was fully immersed and covered over by the Spirit. And, and we have people that read the Scripture and say, I don't need that because that worries me. I would say, I'm worried for you if you try to do ministry without it. So the Holy Spirit will give you power to do everything that you're called to do, every time. Now, I find this interesting that when we differentiate the three, that the Holy Spirit is always the first one on the scene. It's in Genesis 1, he's on the scene. He's already hovering before anything else happens. The Holy Spirit's already hovering. When the angel came to Mary, the Holy Spirit was already hovering. When Jesus was put in Mary, conceived, the Holy Spirit did that. And so when we put a wall up to the Holy Spirit and the power thereof, we eliminate the miracle from being conceived in our life. And the power to execute that. 
There's no way that Mary could go through everything she did and Joseph could go through everything he did without the power of another realm to sustain them. But many say, I don't want to be a part of that. Have you ever been in a place where you just started to feel different? You can't tell what it is, you just feel different about what's going on. Like there's something rumbling, there's something upon me. Some of you are feeling it now. There's something going on, that's the Holy Spirit already ahead of what's coming. You may say, I have a sense that something's coming. Well, I can tell you, if you have a sense that something's coming, the Holy Spirit's already working in you. He's preparing the way for whatever's coming next. He always prepares the way. And you know what else he does? He also troubles the waters when he comes because there's a miracle about to happen. Some of you have been feeling this rumbling and you put it off to bad burger, whatever else. And in essence, what you're saying is, I don't want to take what you're preparing me for because I'm good where I'm at. I don't want the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it'll change what I believe faith really is. It'll change what I believe my walk with Jesus really is. It'll change who I am. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord it changes who we are. This power that comes upon us. God would never send you on a mission that he didn't equip you for but you can leave without taking your equipment. Jesus could have started ministry at 30 and not been baptized. I don't think it would have been successful. And yet we have people all over the world. You realize you're all ministers of the gospel. It's not this place. It's not this role. It's not having pastor beside your name that makes you a minister of the gospel. If you know Jesus Christ, your role became the gospel's about me. Oh, now I'm born again. Now the gospel's about everybody else. Now I'm a minister of the gospel. And if you're trying to do that without the power of the Holy Ghost, you're not throwing too many cards up in the air. I know this is hard today. I know it's hard but it's something that we need. As the world gets darker, as the world gets darker, if you're trying to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, Luke 24, 49 says, you will be endued with power from on high. I just want to read it to you. Then he said, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You realize they might comprehend who his nature really is. He was opening their eyes to who he really was. It's not just about opening to, to some words on a page. This is a person. It's not just the thing we read in the morning for 10 minutes. This is a person 
who has your best interest in mind and would never send you out without being equipped. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in the name, in his name, to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. You see, the Holy Spirit has been with you from the moment you were conceived. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. Behold, I send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. Many don't even realize that the Holy Spirit is with them along their journey. Some come to find out that he is in them when they get born again. But I believe and hear my heart, I believe that the passion of the bridegroom is that many would understand that he is upon them and want it. That he can be upon them and desire it. And the scripture says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, why wouldn't I? He's not giving you a, a stone instead of a loaf of bread or a serpent instead of something that you ask for. No, 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 no. He's giving you the desire of your heart. And if you really understand the nature of God, you understand that the desire, your desire in your heart is for that nature to be fulfilled through you. And I don't know how that happens unless you understand that behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So I'll send this spirit upon you. You will be baptized in the spirit and with that will come power from on high. The last thing that he wants to do is to send you out to win people to him without power. In Acts 2, let's just turn there since we're jumping all over. We know what it says in Acts 1. They were waiting in one accord. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus ascended to heaven, and he said, it's better for me to go that he may come and be your comforter and your power provider. Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We believe that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's initial evidence of speaking in tongues. 
So I want you to think, the one who denied Christ, Peter, is in this room with a bunch of other people, and we don't know the conversation. Someday we'll know. But we don't know the conversation in the room, but they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then the power of the Holy Spirit came down upon them as tongues of fire, and what happened? This man who had just denied the Savior of the world goes on to say this. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. That only comes from encountering the nature of the Holy Spirit. There are some who minister out of their own strength. And there are some that minister out of the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And it says later on in verse 41 that thousands were added because of that. There is a significance to your personal ministry. Everyone in here has a personal ministry. There is a significance to the effectiveness of your personal ministry that will only happen through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You will have success, I'm sure. But the power and boldness to walk into places that don't want you to be there and to say this is the truth only comes through that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The true result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a life, not a ministry. I want you to hear me. It's not a ministry. It's a life that leads people to Jesus. That's the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lots of other things happen. But you know you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit when you see and your life becomes this thing that draws people to Jesus. So I want you to realize today that he's been with you. And when you got born again, he's in you. But Jesus said there's coming a moment when you'll get to receive him upon you. And in that, you will receive power. And the all-consuming fire of his nature in your life. You see, he is our savior. And you get to choose whether you accept that or not. He's our healer. And you can choose whether you accept that or not. He's our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And you can choose whether you walk in power or not. But he doesn't send you out unequipped. He sends you out fully knowing that you can accomplish what he's called you to do with the Holy Spirit's power. His nature. I I want you to understand this morning that his nature is greater than you've ever even understood. He loves you more than you could ever understand. He wants to clothe you with power to shift atmospheres everywhere you go. He wants you to walk in divine healing. He wants you to walk in health and he wants you to be an example to the world. 
And my desire is that we step out of the dysfunction that we believe that things of the Lord should be put walls up against and receive all that he is because he will step in and give you as much as you can handle. Do you want it? Do you want it? That's the question. Would you stand this morning? Father, this morning I just say, thank you for your nature. Holy Spirit, thank you for the power. Jesus, thank you for being the express image of the Father in bodily form. The word says, Jesus, that you had the spirit without measure. And you've given us access to the same spirit. I believe this morning we need to do a spiritual inventory of our lives. Where are we at in that process? Some may be in the room and they don't even understand that he's been with them from the very beginning. There may be some in the room that have known him as savior and know that he is in them and there may be some in the room that have never surrendered and experienced his power. No matter where you are today, it's okay. He loves you. He cares for you in the darkest of moments. And he wants to empower you to live out your destiny. Some in the room may say, how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's very simple. You don't need people to lay hands on you. You just need to ask him. We will lay hands on you if you want. You just ask him. He's a good dad. Father, hear your children today. Whatever they're crying out for in their heart, lend your ear to them. Lord, for those who are desiring the power to do the work that you've called them to do, Lord, I ask that you would reveal to them your heart, your passion for them, your willingness that they would not do the work without being equipped. So Lord, pour out your power upon your people that this world would see. Lord, you took 12 
people and change the world through their willingness to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that we would humble ourselves to receive all that you are, all that your nature tells us you are, so that we may do what you've called us to do. We receive you in your fullness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's a peace and a power that comes upon you when you surrender to the Holy Spirit. Do so today. Well, I have a few announcements really quick before we go. Um, this Wednesday, the 21st, is Third Wednesday Small Group, so we'd love for you to be part of that. Even if you haven't been here before, um, make sure that you're here at 6.30 on Wednesday. Um, we join in here for worship, and then we split up into small groups around the building. And then um, Saturday is going to be our Christmas Eve service at 10 a.m. So make sure that you're here at 10 a.m. for that and um, bring a friend. And then the same the next week on New Year's Eve, we're having our New Year's Eve service at 10 in the morning. And then you guys, we have nothing on Sunday, so you'll be free that day. And then um, January 8th. 20, I don't know what the other dates are. I can't read it. Um, <laughs> January, we're doing growth track. So if you're new to the summit and you want to be a part of what we're doing, we would love to get to know you and you get to know us. Um, that will start January 8th. And um, that will be down in the Family Life Center at nine o'clock. And that will be just a class um, to get to know us as we get to know you. So make sure you come for that if you have not taken that and you are new to the summit family. Or if you're here and you want to, um, be a part of that. So, and then the conference, I know that we've talked about it. Um, that is, yes, the registration. If you have not registered, make sure that you register for that. We're really excited. We're going to have amazing speakers and an amazing time for that. So if you have any questions about any announcements, um, or any of these things, please come see one of us. And there is invite cards still in the lobby for the Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve service. So have a blessed week, everyone.